Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I am your host, Jordan Jones. We are 25 days away from the 2020 Purdue Boilermakers taking the field at Ross-Aid Stadium, and the time cannot go by fast enough. I think we're all tired of watching the other conferences play and waiting on the Big Ten. I think we all can't wait to see the Big Ten get back on the field, and we're only a few weeks away. We got great news last week as Rondale Moore is back in the old gold and black, causing excitement to continue to build surrounding the Big Ten season. The conference released the 2020 schedule two weeks ends ago. We're going to digest it all today and take a look at what Purdue is going up against this year. Now, as we mentioned, the big news came uh, last Thursday in a rather abrupt way. Uh, Thursday afternoon, a little after 4 o'clock, the word started to spread on Twitter that Rondale Moore was going to be making an announcement on ESPN's College Football Live to announce whether he was returning to Purdue or whether he would stay in the NFL draft. Now, we all knew this was a good sign right away as uh, he would not be going on to a college football show to announce his intent to stay in the draft. Moore cited the uncertainty surrounding the season and his desire to secure a financial future for him and his mother as his primary reasons for his initial opt-out. He gave credit to the Big Ten for their testing protocols and pointed to the schedule release knowing what the season would look like as rationale for his return. Uh, There aren't really any eligibility concerns here as Moore has been enrolled in classes at Purdue the entire time. Uh, He chose the online learning option, was training for the draft down in Louisville, his hometown. Um, But now he'll be back. Uh, We have seen a lot of opt-ins. We've seen some at Ohio State. We've seen Rashad Bateman up at Minnesota opt back in. So, Moore is just another player to opt back in. Very good news for Purdue. Uh, I This undoubtedly makes Purdue a better team. We have seen Moore uh, as an elite receiver throughout his time at Purdue, particularly his 2018 freshman campaign. Uh, he set the world on fire that year, and that is the Rondale Moore that Purdue is going to be getting this year. He is obviously fully recovered from his hamstring injury, which cost him the final seven games of last season. Um, Yeah, this makes Purdue a better team. And I think the real question is, how much better does it make Purdue? Does it impact the amount of games Purdue is going to win this year? I don't know about that. But it's easy to look at this and look at how this is going to make Purdue better. David Bell is the biggest beneficiary of this, is now... You have Rondale Moore as that threat in the slot on the inside, and that's going to open up a ton on the outside for David Bell to get one-on-one coverage. You can't double-team both Moore and David Bell, and Moore requires a special type of presence around him because of his explosiveness. Bell, very fast, not the same as Moore, but Bell is also a guy who you want on the outside going up to get 50-50 balls. This is going to help Bell a ton. And that's going to continue down the line of receivers as well. You look at Ahmad Anderson Jr. coming off a good year last year. Milton Wright, Malik Carr, another big, tall receiver on the outside. They're all going to benefit greatly from Moore's presence. And we know very well that the quarterbacks are very happy about this as well. Whether it be Plummer, O'Connell, or Burton, 
uh, the starting quarterback is going to be very, very happy to have Rondale Moore on his side and in his huddle every play. I think this is going to help Purdue's run game as well. Purdue struggled horribly to effectively run the ball last year. Even in those first three and a half games when Moore was in the lineup, Purdue could not run the ball. I, I believe it was the Vanderbilt game. I don't think Purdue even got to 50 yards rushing that game. Um, this is going to help Purdue, though, because Moore provides such a different element as he can do anything. He's a deep ball threat. We've seen him have some great deep ball catches. I remember the touchdown at Nevada last year uh, just on a go route. Um, he's great in the mid-level passing game. We've seen that time and time again. His uh, spin against Wisconsin, you know, that comes from a mid-level pass. He's so good at getting inside the inside the hash marks, making plays, and running from there uh, just with his elusive speed. And he is lethal, lethal in the short passing game. Uh, we saw his two touchdowns versus Ohio State. You know, the first one is just a quick out route, catches it, gets away from a defender, scores. The second one, just a swing play, and he breaks tackles. That is who Rondale Moore is. He's going to do a lot of damage on jet sweep plays. I think we're going to see that more this year to try to establish that run game because Purdue struggled so much with it last year. I've always been curious to see, you know, maybe Purdue would ever utilize him out of the backfield in a shotgun formation. We haven't seen that much. We might be waiting till Moore reaches the NFL to see that, but he's capable of doing so much. He'll be back there on kick and punt returns and just really provide an explosive factor that we haven't seen from a player at Purdue besides Rondale Moore. More than anything, I think this is really, really good for the image of Purdue football. In an eight-game season, it would be very easy for Purdue to receive nearly zero national attention. Let's face it, Purdue probably is not going to compete for a Big Ten title. Purdue probably isn't going to go to a big-time elite bowl game this year. But with more opting back in, Purdue has one of the biggest stars in college football on their sideline. There aren't many bigger names who have generated more highlight plays than Rondale Moore. He's one of the biggest names in college football, especially outside of quarterbacks. He's probably not going to win the Heisman, but Rondale Moore will be in the All-American discussion. He's an All-Big Ten player. This is so good for Purdue's image because last year wasn't good for Purdue's image. You know, you go to two straight bowl games, come back with a disappointing year. It doesn't help. But now Rondale Moore's back. You have an exciting player. You have eight exciting games. There aren't any games on the schedule you shouldn't be looking forward to. And all of the attention that Purdue will get from Rondale Moore is such a positive for Jeff Brom's program as he continues to try to build it in his fourth year here at Purdue. To get into the schedule a little bit, um, is I have brought up on the show and described each team is going to play eight games in eight consecutive weeks in the Big Ten Championship weekend. All 14 teams will be active. Uh, Each team from each division will be paired alongside their counterpart in the opposite division, one versus one, two versus two, all the way down the the line to seven versus seven. The league will be eligible for college football playoff consideration. This likely will only impact Ohio State, but whatever the bowl season may look like, 
Uh, Big Ten teams will be eligible to play in bowl games. The schedule release came during the Big Noon kickoff on Fox a couple weeks ago. It drew a ton of reaction on social media, mostly from Nebraska and Indiana fans complaining about their strength of schedule. Nebraska really did get the short end of the stick here. They open up with Ohio State, then Wisconsin, uh, and then they get Penn State in week four. Uh, Their two crossovers, obviously, are Ohio State and Penn State. That is a brutal, brutal uh, crossover schedule. Those are probably the two best teams in the conference. Having to play them both is tough. It is interesting how the school that argued and pushed the Big Ten the hardest got the absolute worst possible schedule outcome. Now, Indiana fans, as we all see on Twitter, uh, really not happy because they're in the East Division. Uh, the Look, they're the seventh eastmost team in the conference. It's a geographical break. Uh, Indiana just happens to be in a bad spot there. Uh, I do think I use the fourth best team in the East. Uh, I think they would be no better than third in the West. But, you know, Indiana's going to complain, and so be it. Now, I, I do think Purdue got a very favorable draw here with their 2020 schedule. Obviously, the ninth game's to be determined, but, you know, Looking at it now, and I'm not going to list it off. You guys have all seen it. Um, Purdue needs to go 3-1 and one at home, in my opinion. None of these games are surefire wins. Purdue's home games are Iowa, Rutgers, Iowa, Northwestern, Rutgers, Nebraska. Um, losing to Rutgers is the one that would certainly be concerning. Um, Iowa, I think, is a really tough team to open up with just because of how consistent that program is. From a coaching perspective, from a style perspective, uh, Iowa's just very consistent. They have a lot coming back. But, you know, regardless, uh, it's not a game Purdue can't win. I think Purdue will be underdogs against the Hawkeyes, but not drastically. Northwestern is going to be very improved from last year. Uh, They were really, really bad last year. That was a game Purdue had no business winning. And then J.D. Dellinger hit a field goal as time expired to win the game. Uh, Aiden O'Connell's first start there. Very cool story with him winning in his hometown. A lot of returning starters for the Cats. Uh, IU grad transfer Peyton Ramsey at quarterback for them will be interesting. I think he's an upgrade over their quarterback room last year with Hunter Johnson and Aiden Smith. But Purdue hasn't beaten Northwestern and West Lafayette since 2007. Fitz is a very good coach. It is a good program under him. It's the best Northwestern football has ever been. Nebraska comes to Ross-Aid for the second straight season after a disappointing loss for them at Ross-Aid last year. This is a really important year for both Frost and Brom. There is a ton of weight on Scott Frost to perform this year. Uh, they should not have lost at Purdue last year. They do not want to start 3-0-3 against Purdue in the Frost era, but you know that's a toss-up game. I, I think Purdue getting it at home is going to help, um, but Purdue needs to go 3-1 and one in these home games, really just to set the tone and defend Ross-Aid Stadium, albeit without fans. The away games for Purdue do get rather tricky. Uh, I don't see Purdue winning at Wisconsin or Minnesota. 
And, boy, that game at Minnesota on November 21st, talk about a cold one. Uh, that is a tough, tough atmosphere to go into in late November. Uh, really tough. Purdue's lost two in a row to the Golden Gophers. And them getting quarterback Tanner Morgan back this year is going to be really tough for Purdue to overcome. Uh, I do not need to remind you guys that Purdue has not beaten Wisconsin since 2003. We've had a couple of close misses in there, looking at 04 and 18 particularly. But Wisconsin's going to be the favorite to win the West. They have a couple of quarterback options in senior Jack Cohn and talented freshman Graham Mertz. Um, I want to see Purdue beat Wisconsin badly just because it hasn't happened in so long. But I really do hope that uh, Purdue has a shot. This is a good chance for Purdue to show what they can do. Purdue has a lot of speed on the outside. Purdue has a lot of playmakers that could disrupt that Wisconsin consistency. And, you know, if you're Purdue, you want to turn this game into a shootout. It's what they did back in 2018. Purdue should have won that game, but unfortunately did not. Then you look at the other two away games, Illinois and Indiana. Look, it's two teams that Purdue fans expect to beat every year. I don't think Illinois is going to be all that good this season. They do return Brandon Peters at quarterback, but for Purdue to move into the upper half of the Big Ten West consistently, this is a game they have to win. And Purdue needs to win it every year be consistent in beating Lovey Smith's Illini. Indiana is a different one. This is not a typical Indiana team that Purdue fans have grown accustomed to. Indiana's solid. Tom Allen has done a great job at IU, whether Purdue fans want to admit it or not. He is recruiting at a really high level. He is getting his players to buy in, and he's getting passion around the Indiana program. It's a game Purdue needs to win. You don't want to lose the bucket twice in a row, but Purdue's going to have to play really well to win this game. The ninth game on the schedule is to be determined, obviously. I think you're looking at a range of teams from Michigan to Maryland, uh, that three to six range in the crossover. I'd be really surprised if Purdue finished in the top two in the Big Ten West. I would also be really surprised if they finished dead last. So I think that three through six range is where we're going to see Purdue. And... You know, with a realistic look at the record this year, um, I think four and four or five and three are your two most likely outcomes. If Purdue goes three and five, I think there is legitimate reason to start questioning Jeff Brom's $6 million salary. I don't want to get to that point. I don't think it's fun or fair to Jeff Brom. But if Purdue's under 500 for a second straight year, I can understand why fans would start to be a little bit frustrated about Brahms' salary being as high as it is. One thing to note real quick before we head out, um, it did come out yesterday that Purdue suspended 13 out-of-season student-athletes due to protect Purdue violations. It sounds like these 13 student-athletes were together. Um, I assume it's a dorm party. They brought up the event was in a residence hall. So... I don't think it's men's basketball players, as the men's basketball players do not live in dormitories. Uh, they live across the street from Mackey Arena there. But um, I don't think it's men's basketball players, as I said. But will be interesting to see whenever information comes out about that. 
Uh, Mitch Daniels clearly took this very seriously as he released a statement regarding it. And we'll see what happens there. I hope this is a isolated incident and does not become a trend around campus. I know it's a little short, but that's all I have for this week's show. I've been battling a cold a little bit, so I don't really have the voice I normally do. Thank you for spending some time with me this week. Next time on the show, we'll continue our previews of the 2020 Boilermaker football team. If you want to get on Q&A sessions, give us a follow on Twitter at Boilers Beyond and hit us up before next week's episode. We'll be back next Tuesday for more of the biggest news and high-level analysis of Purdue Athletics. Be sure to tune in then. Until that time, stay safe.